I have a song I, I got this morning from the Lord while ironing my clothes. It goes like this. I think you'll know it. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They've got a million toys at Toys R Us. Come on, guys. That I can play with. I don't want to grow up. And even if I did, I wouldn't be a Toys R Us kid. You guys remember that. Come on now. Gee whiz. Hey, Josh, can you run a little bit of that for me? Thank you, brother. Not the Toys R Us song, but the reason why I wanted to sing it today. Look at these cute kids, guys. Will you look at this? Are they some cute faces? Y'all clap your hands. They are beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Josh, just pause one of them. Just pause right there. Look at that. This week, I had the pleasure of praying for the graduation of the daycare here at Calvary. And you should have saw these little beautiful babies, not babies, but the, you know, you can't call them babies on graduation day, that's for sure. But they were up here with their cap and gowns and looking like graduates, you know, like they had the whole world conquered. And it was so beautiful to see. Josh, you can go ahead and let that go now. I'm lost in the dark and you and can't Josh, see. go to the other video for me, the other I'll picture. It didn't come through? Okay, no problem. You can fade that for me. Thank you, Josh. And you know, while I was with them, thinking of them throughout the day, I began to see and remember little things about those babies while they were up here. You should have saw them. They were all looking serious, and then they would be called to get their diploma. You know, they had a rolled-up diploma. It was real, guys. This was real stuff. And one one or two of them would take the diploma and roll it up and then take it and look at people and laugh and stuff like this, you know. And they were just enjoying being kids. And you know, guys, I had the pleasure of going to uh, Brother Louis. You all meet Louis. He's one of our greeters. Let's clap for Louis when you come in. Louis, Louis, our team hugger. He's the team hugger. He's a hugger, hugger, mooka, mooka, whatever we call him. But he'll hug you good and men and give you that love. But Louie was in a play at his school, and the school he attends is very, very special. It's called the Mel Mark School, and it's a school exclusively for children who are special. And you should have seen this play. I mean, Pastor, they did show tunes from Broadway. I mean, you, I wish that picture or video had come through so that you could see these beautiful special children just enjoying being children, enjoying smiling and being with each other. And it hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. God said, David, did you know in this environment, you are the abnormal one? Because this is their world. This school is their world. This is where they shine. This is where they are not looked down on or looked at skeptically as if there's something wrong But in that school, they're the stars every day. And I began to be checked in my heart. God, look at them up there, 10, 20, 30 of them, remembering their lines, singing and acting. And and I began to say, wow, 
right before my eyes, these special people are overcoming their differences. They're all different, very unique, every last one of them. Different challenges, born with different challenges in life, but none of them were complaining. They were taking life by its nose. And they were saying, this is my time. And I'm not going to let my differences stop me from shining. I got convicted because you know how we are, you know, we who think that we have it all together. I mean, absolutely. We weren't, we weren't born with any challenges. We tend to think we're the normal ones. Well, I was in a room with a bunch of champions who embraced their challenge and said, you know, no matter what the obstacles are, I'm going to remember my lines. Somebody say, remember your lines. I'm going to remember my spot on the stage. I'm going to remember who I am. I'm going to get up here and smile for this audience. I'm going to attend rehearsals. I mean, mean, this was an excellent production. And despite their difficulties, it was a success. Let's clap our hands for that spirit, that spirit that I call the spirit of the overcomer. Now, what are you using as an excuse? Really, I mean, let's get real here. You weren't born with any physical impairment, but maybe you're using something else in your life as some crutch to excuse you for not working harder, not pressing your way into the promises that God has for you. Today, I want to join with you in faith And I want to declare that we as a Calvary church, as a Calvary family, to our visitors and friends, welcome. We invite you in to this challenge. We are going to overcome our challenges. Overcome our differences. God has called this church to be a multinational church, an international church. It's not like many churches. There are ethnicities and cultural groups feeling led to come here. And we come here and we find that we're all the same beneath the skin. All we have to do is embrace the challenge together, and we can do anything. The Bible says, with God, all things are? Come on, guys. With God, all things are? With God, all things are? I'm not looking at a a, a bunch of wimps today. I'm looking at some champions. I'm looking at people who God says that he will be more than the world against you. Whatever it is the enemy's trying to set up for you to make you feel small and insignificant, I want you to know today we put an end to it. We're going to change our minds. Let's say change your mind. Come on, say I'm changing my mind today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, you know, the name of this lesson is The Search for Meaning, Part 2 or Part 1 Continued. And um, one of the things that I want to do very quickly is just review a few very important points that were made over the past couple of weeks. We've had some great preaching, guys. We've been challenged. Pastor Ben, Pastor Mark, and uh, next week, our very own senior pastor is back from Korea. Let's thank God he made it back safely. He will be ministering next week. So we invite you to come, our visitors and friends. But God is challenging us to go beyond. 
to go ahead and begin to press into what the Bible would call vision. Somebody say vision. Now, there are many verses on vision in the, in the Bible. However, one that always strikes me is in Proverbs. It says, for where there is no vision, people perish. So in essence, if you don't mind me playing on the words there, where there is vision, there is life. Where there is no vision, there is death. There is death and dying. In fact, that's where we were without God's vision for us because the Bible says while we were yet in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That was God's vision for us. While we were in our perishing predicament, God had a different vision for us. And his vision canceled that bad vision one day, and now we live in the newness of life. We don't deserve it. We're not perfect. None of us are. But our perfection is in God's vision. The same way those children at that special school, their perfection was in the confines of their vision. The vision that I was told by Lou and Ann, let's clap for Lou and Ann Mueller. They take such a good job with raising Louie, guys. Oh my goodness. Louie is a confident, loving, giving, worshiping, praying young man. Despite any challenges you may perceive, that boy loves God. He loves people. He, he's, he's a better leader than most of us. But Lou told me, he said, the lady up on the stage talking, David, he said, she's been, she founded this ministry. Got to call it ministry because it was doing good for people. She founded this ministry 50 years ago. Somebody say 50 years. Come on, guys. Do we struggle with keeping our focus for 50 minutes? (laughs) This is a lady who 50 years ago, wealthy woman, put all her family's money on the vision that special kids need a special place where they can have a special vision and become superstars. We have that opportunity right here at Calvary. We create boundaries with everything we do and say. We choose to speak negative, we create negative boundaries. We choose to speak positive in words of faith and love and possibility. We create limitless boundaries for everybody that comes in here. They come in here thinking because the world told them they were cursed. The world tells them they are losers. The world tells them that they are just like everyone else. They're normal. And they come into our vision and we hear them say, we hear, they hear us say, you are spectacular. God has something he wants to do in you. No, it's not through you, by you, for you. It is through you that his glory wants to come forth. We have the power of possibility in here. We have the power of faith. And the Bible says, by faith, all things are possible. Whether you choose to use that faith to get through your first year of college. Isn't that right, Pauline? You know, or whether you use that faith to have a business that touches the world, like Pastor Tim, or anywhere in between. It's all about how you clarify in your life meaning. What do things mean to you? It is so powerful to me that today, I'm so glad you said that, Carl, about Pentecost Sunday. 
Because one of the things that happened on Pentecost Sunday was sure the Holy Spirit was poured out. It came upon the people. It came within the people. Now that the blood of Jesus had been shed, the temple had been cleansed by that blood as they were believers. The Spirit of God came upon them and in them for the first time in history, other than Adam, came in them, it was as the sound of a mighty rushing wind, filled them with the Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages. And what happened was other people around from every nation on the Feast of Pentecost, nations would come to Jerusalem. And when that Spirit poured out and they began to speak, the people said this, Carl, this is key. What meaneth this? I want to tell you right now, the world is searching for meaning. And Peter, the most illiterate, brass, <laughs> uneducated of the, of the apostles, and let me not be too hard on Peter. You know, I'm sure he was a good Jewish boy and went through his proper uh, ordinances. But it was Peter that God chose to put the words in his mouth. And guess what Peter rose up and said? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In essence, Peter, by the Spirit, like we are by the Spirit, supposed to be empowered to bring meaning to the world that is asking, what meaneth this? We are the ones that show up and say, this is that. This is that. This is that. And y'all know you can get with this or you could get with that. If I was in the hood, they'd be with me by now. You feel me? You, know? you could get with this or you could get with that. But you can get with this or you could get with that. Or you could get with this or you could get with that. But you should get with this because this is where it's at. Come on, y'all. Man, you know, that, this is where it's at. See, I know you think elsewhere is where, is where the party is. No, this is where possibilities happen. This is where miracles take place. This is where husbands become good husbands and wives become good wives. And this is where children become outstanding young adults by the power of the Holy Spirit and the environment filled with the Spirit and filled with faith. Nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. So most of the time, our challenge is that our minds are just too small. Our boundaries have been drawn too small around our lives. And we need a redefinition of meaning. Now, I've said this to you in the past. You will never control anything in life you cannot properly define. If you cannot call it what it is, it will not obey you. That is why Adam was given the right in the earth realm to name everything. God did not do that. God created it, and God said, you call it, and whatever you call it, it shall obey you. That principle is at work in our lives. There are things in our lives that are reigning in our lives, spooking our lives, bringing fear in our lives. Fear, remember, is false expectations that appear real. The enemy is the master of fear. His only control over a believer is to try to masquerade a truth as a lie and a lie as a truth. 
And when we have the proper definition, I'm saying biblical definition. Please, somebody say biblical definition. In the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. There is consistency in this book. Then you will be able to exercise dominion and authority over the things in your lives that are masquerading themselves to be something they are not. Because faith vision, somebody say faith vision, allows you to see beyond what is natural into what is spiritual. For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. How can we get faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the definitions of the word of God. So when Jesus was in the, in the wilderness being tempted, Satan was trying to parade himself as if he had some authority and some power. So Satan went too far. I don't have time to go into the entire text. But Satan went too far, and Jesus finally said, get thee behind me, Satan. For all authority is in my hands. See, so there are some things in your life, there are some things in your life that God is allowing because he's trying to teach you how to grow up. He's trying to teach us how to grow up. You know, you look at those children I showed you and you see that they're dressed up like adults. They got on their caps and gowns, right? But they're not adults. We, we know. Brother Andrew. Hi, Andrew. He's, he's new with us today. Andrew, you know, we know that they're not, they have no idea right now the challenges they're going to face in life. But they're acting like adults. You know, they're going through the motions, but we know that there are things in life that are going to challenge and shake them to their very core. Can I get a witness in God's house today? For our visitors and friends, you're looking at a two-time cancer survivor. You're looking at a man who lost everything he worked for for 30 years. Please hear me. You're looking at a man who almost lost his wife, his children, his family, and his sanity. Please, let me tell you that only the mind of Christ can save you. Believe me. I should be crazy. And some of you, some of you said you are crazy. I heard that. That's all right. That's, that's all right. That's all right. Let's try to get through this very quickly. I'm not trying to be deep and heavy, but I do want to make sure I empower you today. So search for meaning. Meaning is powerful, guys. The power to define things in your life and call them what God calls them, to, to, to call those things, as the Bible says, as though they are. Those things that are not, says the word, as though they are. I let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I am rich. I love it. I, I, when I came in, you just don't know what timing you are, John, today. I knew you were coming today as, as our, one of our new members, Bonnie. Uh, yeah, clap for Bonnie. She's a new member, guys. She's a new member. We got new members joining. We thank God for you. She invited some friends. And, and John walked in. I didn't expect John to be, you know, all diesel. But John didn't get those muscles by sitting on a bench watching somebody clapping for him. And you're not going to get faith muscle. Faith is the muscle of God, is the muscle of the believer. And notice, everybody is born in here with the same amount of muscles. The only difference, Pauline, is that what? We exercise them differently, so we take on different shapes and sizes. But we all were born with the same muscles. Faith is muscle. God gives you faith muscle to exercise. To, he puts you, allows you to go through tests and trials so you can learn how to bench press some things. Come on, somebody. So you can learn how not to run from your challenges. 
We have a I'm sorry, y'all know, I, I love my pastor because I needed a pastor who had been through something. Our senior pastor had two heart transplants. Guys, listen, I've had my esophagus removed and my surgeries with cancer, but let me tell you, I can only imagine what it's like to recover from a heart transplant, let alone two of them. It's work to get back up and be strong again. It's work. And what, what athletes do that is so beautiful, John, is that they don't embrace the pain. They don't say, oh, the pain. Oh, the pain. No. They don't embrace the pain, guys. They embrace the victory. They're not looking at the pain when they're in that weight room. They're thinking about those muscles they're going to have. Thinking about that competition that's coming up when that gold medal gets placed on their neck. They're not embracing the bad parts of this thing. They're embracing the victory of it. That's what makes them go through it. That's what makes us go through what we go through. When we embrace the victory of God because we have the right definitions of what we're fighting for. We fight the good fight of faith. I didn't want to die because I have children I wanted to see grow up and graduate college and high school and get married. By the way, Isaiah graduated high school. Clap for my boy. I'm proud of him. You know, but it's, it's important to me. It's important to me because I didn't have to be here today. I could have been dead. I could have been a statistic. My son, while he walked to get his diploma, he could have been saying, man, I wish my dad was here. Look at me. I'm here. God healed me. That's God. I know it wasn't some doctor. What are you talking about? It's because I wanted to live. The Bible says I have failed unless I've lived to see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. Thank God for his word. Let's look real fast. Everyone is searching for the source. Pastor Ben preached that weeks ago. Everyone's asking five questions. I'm not going to go into them. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What can I do? Who made me? These are the questions every human asks. The problem with those questions being answered is, number two, that sin has caused a breakdown in the communication between heaven and earth. The quickest way I can explain it to you is that there was a time, well, as I said, Adam, he didn't, you didn't see Adam in Genesis. Anybody who read Genesis, you didn't see that God sit him in a classroom and said, okay, now this is a zebra. Can you say zebra? <laughs> no, he didn't. Adam was living not by his learning, but by his discerning. His, communi his community with God, his unity with God made God's thoughts his thoughts and his thoughts God's thoughts. And what happened with sin, Luke, was that that communication was broken. And just like with a computer, if you remember back in the day when the computers didn't back up things automatically, y'all remember that? If, if someone pulled a plug, you lost all your data. So Adam and Eve lost all their data. 
So now they're on their own. They're separated from God. But look, in righteousness, when Jesus, the king of righteousness, came, he came and what has been said in the Old Testament many times, atonement, atonement, this word atonement. Look at that word. Break it down. It means at one So the separation was now the bridge was built to unify us back with God the Father. Now the data can flow again. Amen? Somebody say we call that revelation. Now God can think with you again. I know you would love for God to open the sky while you're with your friends and say, David, this is God. I mean, come on, who wouldn't like to see that? That would be fun. Come on, guys, lighten up. But God doesn't have to do that. He just speaks to your mind. He gives you revelation. And that thought that he has goes directly from him to you. Hallelujah. Anybody ever had that? Just raise your hand if you know something you thought wasn't your thought before. Oh, come on, you know that that wasn't, you're not that smart. Right? You know, you know you don't know the Bible like that. And all of a sudden some verse you read when you were in nursery school or, you know, preschool came back. It was God bringing it back to your remembrance. The Bible talks about that. Amen? So we have to, in order to get victory, we have to get into a level of high-definition righteousness. That's what I call it. Because um, like with your televisions, um, you know, there was a time when it was 1080p and that was okay. Now you put one of those 10, uh, D, is it D, it's DPI, dots per inch. Am I right, Sam? Sam's our tech whiz, so DPI. Well, you know, now they've got, now they've got televisions with digital DPI that's in the... 2,000s, 3,000s, dots per inch. It looks like you're looking at a real person when you're looking into that screen. And that's what we need today. And the only way to do that, guys, is to draw closer to God. You know, the Bible says, if you draw closer to me, I will draw closer to you. That's why Pastor Mark and others have been encouraging you. And, and, and I'm so glad that Carl said it today. Hey, guys. There's no way for God to draw closer to you. The Bible says that you must first draw closer to him than he will draw nigh to you. That's the way it works. Now, now, as you know, we've done that. Any of the guys in the house, we know if you expect the girl to chase you, you don't understand girls. <laughs> or ladies. A lady may love you, may be crazy about you. She is trained to attract you from afar. She's sending you vibes. You don't think she's looking at you, but she got you in the scope. But she's learned how to draw you, not ask you. We have to show them we are interested by what? Pursuing them. Then they draw closer to us. Oh, come on, guys. Is that right? This is how it works. You know, the ladies are like, don't tell them all our secrets. You know? <laughs> No secret to me. I've been married 24 years now, you know. Oh, boy. <laughs> so high-definition righteousness allows us to get victory because we are, somebody say we are on the truth. Come on, we're, say we're on the mark. You see? Now, being on the mark is critical, guys. I wish I had time to share some of these things with you. But remember, in a race, when you're about to run a race, what do they say? Get ready. No, on your mark. Get ready, get set, go. Well, if you are not on your mark and you go, you will be disqualified. You could run the whole race and win. Whistle blows, yellow flag. Um, he was not on the mark. 
So it's very important for you to be on the mark of truth in your life. In fact, the reason why the truth is so powerful is because it is accurate. Say accurate. That word accurate is a combination word. It means accurate rate. At the rate of cure. That's why God's word is so powerful because it is so accurate. It goes straight through your mask, straight through the fears you have, straight through the lies that have been holding you, and goes straight to your heart. Your very center of your being gets rocked with a missile of God's truth. And the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Don't say set free. No, make you free. It means there is some truth you don't want to hear, but God needs you to hear it and see it because until you hear it and see it, you won't be free. Because none of us believe a lie to be a lie. We, be- we believe a lie to be a truth. That's why we believe it to be a truth. It's really a lie. There are lies that we're living that we need high-definition righteousness to be able to overcome. John 8, 14 says, Jesus is our example. He says when he's fighting the Pharisees, somebody say Pharisees, say Sadducees. They were far, you see, from the truth. They were sad, you see, examples of leadership. And so Jesus shows up who is the truth. He wasn't speaking the truth. Christy, he wasn't speaking the truth. He was the truth. He was the center of gravity of all truth. Any, any lie near him was destined to die. And he said to them, you guys are attacking me because you don't know where I came from and you don't know where I am going, but I know where I came from and I know my vision. Somebody say vision. I know what God said for me to do in this life and I'm going to do it. Now, in order to have that attitude, you need to have some idea of the process you're going to go through. Uh, Josh, you may move on, sir. Now, I tried to communicate this to you. I'm not going to go into this with a lot of embellishment, but I have the numbers ascending because we all are born in sin and what I call degradation. In sin did my mother conceive me. I was shaped in iniquity. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, said David. Then we can all, as human beings, be inspired. You don't have to have a relationship with God to be inspired. In fact, if anyone would like, uh, I have a dog. She's a poodle doo or a golden doodle, and she's wild. Would anybody like her? I'll give her to you. (laughs) You But she's inspired. When we come in, she's like, I mean, she acts like every time. I go out to the car for five minutes, Pastor. I come back. She's excited I came back in five minutes. I mean, it's just so much inspiration in her. Animals get excited. They get inspired. Well, humans can get inspired. But the third level is where we get the power of God involved, and that's the level of revelation. And Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every man that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, here now, for therein is the righteousness we're talking about. It is revealed from faith to faith. And any of you who know how we grow spiritually, we grow from faith to faith, glory to glory. Like I said with this uh, gentleman here, he did not start out with those muscles. They were small first and he developed them bigger. That's how we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. 
Now, on that level, you are learning how to receive revelation, hence the word revealed. Somebody say revealed. See, things are revealed to you that aren't revealed to other people. How many of you would like that? I mean, really, let's get practical very quickly. I mean, how, would you, how many of you would like that for God to reveal secrets to you? I mean, really. You know, you go to work and, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God says, hey, you know, uh, make sure you go and pray first before you go to your cubicle. Really? Happened, happened to me, guys. I, I took a job, I kid you not, I, and my, do- my sister was a vice president in a banking organization, and I got hired at a college uh, for a management training program. And as soon as I got there, these girls hated me. I, they hated me because they hated my sister. My sister is beautiful, but she's evil. I mean, she's, you know, tough girl, tough girl. And so they were just taking it out on me. So I got so desperate. I said, God, please help me. You know, I'm, I'm sneaking to the bathroom. No, come on, guys, don't laugh at me because some of us may have been there. Where I had to sneak to the bathroom and put my feet up on the stall so I, they wouldn't think I was in there and read my Bible. That's how desperate I was <laughs> because I was about to scream. Well, God gave me a revelation one day. He said, I want you to go in earlier than them. So I started getting there 30 minutes earlier than them. And I started praying putting on the, the word and putting on worship music. By the time they came in there, me and a host of angels had already made it our place. Amen. Guess what? Every last one of them, Janice, got pregnant at the same time. <laughs> and it wasn't me, guys. Just for the record, you know. They all got pregnant at the same time. And guess what? I ended up managing the branch within six months instead of two years. When they, when they came back, I was the boss. Y'all better understand this thing. Now, all you got to do is draw close to God and start giving you secrets. Amen. Then that fourth level is a level of impartation. That's where God no longer uh, wants it to be about you. And, guys, this is where we, are, we see examples of that, but we have people in our congregation who are already about others. They don't care about their own. I'm telling you, I love it when I hear those things come out their mouths. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about them. See, that's the level of impartation. That's when God no longer um, just has to tell you something. He can send you on an assignment, and he knows that if you get in an environment, you are going to become infectious, and people get infected by love. People get infected by peace. Are you hearing me? On your jobs. I mean, we have a ministry that has a focus on the marketplace. And that's powerful to me because you're looking at a young man who went straight into full-time ministry. I'm a preacher's kid. I was licensed at 16, preaching around the country, pastoring at 20, my first church. Then with my parents, our ministry, all I'm saying is I really never had to work in the regular work world. I was always in the kingdom for the most part. Well, I go now to work. I, I, I handle catering for a restaurant, uh, Panera. Y'all know y'all like Panera. Don't act like it don't. Okay. So, you know, I'm in there, and guess what I'm doing? People say to me when I come, oh, David, I'm glad you're here. Man, I miss it when you're not here. Well, what? It's not me. That's the Christ in me. Because I actually take time to say, hey, over sandwiches, you know. We got to make 100 sandwiches, you know. I'm like, hey, how your family doing? You okay? You're not smiling today. Guys, we get to impart love and joy and peace to people. It's not about you. Come on. 
It can't ever be about just us getting together. You know, they used to say fellowship is not two fellas in a ship. <laughs> no, we get powerful when we're together, and then that power is sent out to a dark world. That's our assignment. Now, last, and I'm done. Transportation is where you grow to a place now where God cannot, can no longer just you know, teach you intellectually, let's say, because there's some things you will come to learn as you grow. You'll learn, you'll, you'll be able to uh, have a new mind. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So you start to think like Christ more so. But then when you get to transportation, there are things when you learn God can show you something in a dream or a vision. And that dream or vision has, you've heard the expression, guys, a picture is worth a thousand words. So instead of God trying to break it down for you, by the way, so you know, the reason why the Bible is so accurate and so excellent, I wish I had time to tell you, but most scholars and scientists now that that have some some integrity believe that the reason why this doesn't contradict itself is because God gave to these writers not every word by word or sentence by sentence. He most likely, particularly with Moses and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, he most likely gave it to them letter by letter. Write A, B. I mean, this is how tedious it became so that this book never lies. Amen. So in order to, uh, to go above that process, there's some things God can't intellectually show you. He has to show you in a vision. Or, hence our, hence our, our, our scripture for today, and I'm done. And Because we find, remember, our context is vision. How we grow is determined by what God's assignment is on our lives. So if we're assigned to do something, God's going to put you in a place, let me say this quickly, like he did Moses. Moses, his name means to draw out. He was born to be a deliverer. So God birthed him in Egypt where he would raise up and learn how to be a ruler, right? In Egypt, where he was raised was where his assignment was. He was supposed to lead those people into freedom. Amen. So the things that you went through in your life, my point is, God needed you to develop some bicep. That's bicep, right, John? Is that bicep? Yeah. He, he wanted you to develop some bicep. Well, he put you in situations where you had to use that muscle so that later on you would be able to lift things that others couldn't lift. Amen. So you would be the one that God can send a dream to and you go and minister healing and breakthrough. For someone else. Somebody say that's faith muscle. Amen. Let me read this last verse to you that I think at least will set up for the next time that we talk. Thessalonians, first Thessalonians. Let's just read. Yeah. This such good stuff. Let's go ahead and just finish here with this admonishment and encouragement to you. It says in the 16th verse of the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, it says, See then that none render evil for evil unto any man, 
But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly. Not H-O-L-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Wholly, your whole being. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All I want you to see here is that not only are you growing, and I'm not preaching this, I'm done. Not only are you growing um, up, but you are, you are growing up, but you also will grow out. You will grow in. You will get deeper. You will get wider. You will get taller. God is growing your whole being. See? And that requires, thank you, Holy Spirit, that requires more focus on your part. So you drawing in closer, looking at the word closer, spending time with God more will deepen you will make you deeper, make you wider, expand your inner, inner verse, they call it, not your universe, your inner verse, and allow you to grow up and be whole and complete in God. I want you to be a whole and complete husband. I want you to be a whole and complete father. I want you to be a whole and complete mother, a whole and complete boss, a whole and complete employer, employee, a whole and complete friend, a whole and complete sister to your brothers and brothers to your sisters. We've got to let the Holy Spirit do that for us. Amen? Jesus said, when the Spirit of the Lord has come, he will lead and guide you unto all truth. Amen. Let's clap our hands for the truth. We don't know yet. God is going to show us some things. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you for your vision over our lives. Your love is a banner over our lives, God. When others reject us and don't understand us because of our differences and challenges, God, we know that you know us best. We thank you in Jesus' name for the spirit of faith the spirit of victory, the spirit of possibility that we find in your vision over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.